Coast Church is a church built with care. We want to celebrate Jesus in every area of our life, accept ourselves and others while pursuing maturity together, receive God's grace daily to fulfill His eternal purposes, and engage our world by equipping one another to truly care. This is what we're inviting you into today and every time you join us here at TFH. So, welcome home. Welcome to the Father's house. The service starts right now. Good morning, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the beautiful first day of spring. Woo! Um, why don't you stand up? We're going to worship this morning. We're going to need some help. We don't have a drummer, so we need you to clap. <laughs> Precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. I am washed, I am washed, I am drenched in love. All souls atoned by the blood of the Lamb. I'm not a saint to one or tell me down how beautiful that cleansing flood. Precious and oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Oh, no other fount I know. I am washed, I am washed, I am drenched in love. Signos, oh, oh,
good morning, church. We're going to continue to worship. I encourage you to, uh, to just engage with what the Lord is speaking to you. That whatever, uh, yeah, whatever you came in here with, that you can uh, lay that at his feet. That we serve a God who fights for us, who loves us, and uh, yeah, is worthy of our worship.
Father, we thank you for our story. That it is not one of sorrow, but one of joy because of what you've done for us, Jesus. We thank you that you are ours, Jesus, that we have an assurance. Oh, what a blessed assurance it is that, Jesus, you are ours. That we are born again of your spirit, that you've washed us in your blood, that there is forgiveness that you pour out onto your people, Jesus. We thank you, God, that you are a God that fights our battles. You do not leave us on our own, Jesus. Wow, what a story that you have given us. We stand here in thanks, Lord, as we continue to worship and to give back to you what little we have in awe of how great you are, God. We thank you. We thank you that you pour out your freedom on us that you look upon us with mercy and grace as we enter into your presence, Lord. That your spirit, the spirit of the Lord is upon us and where the spirit is, there's freedom. That Jesus, you came to set the captives free. That the chains that we carry, we no longer have to carry. But we can lay them at the altar. We can lay them at your feet, Jesus, for you have taken them from us. that we no longer live in the kingdom of this world. Though we are here, our eyes are set above into the kingdom of heaven. That you have given us something far greater, that we can fix our eyes, we can have our mind living in your kingdom, Jesus, where you reign, Jesus. We don't have to be affected by the things of this world because we live in a kingdom that is far greater. In a firm, on a firm foundation, Lord. And so, yeah, Lord, I pray that you would move. You would rest upon your people. You would be enthroned upon the praises of your people. That those who have come here that are tired and thirsty, Lord, you would bring freedom to them. Tired and thirsty of living life in a way that is not fulfilling. That, Lord, that you would, they would give their life they would give their life to Jesus. That we would give our lives to you, Jesus. And thank you that that is not a loss. That is not giving up. And we now have nothing. But because we give, you, Jesus, you freely give to us. You give us more. You pour on our hearts more. You give us, you bless us with more. That there is so much freedom when we give. When we lay down our life to you to serve you, Lord that which you have is so much greater. We thank you, Lord. We ask that you would give us eyes to see you, that we would be able to worship you with our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole body, that the things, the burdens that we carried in here would be laid down, that you would exchange spirits of heaviness, Lord, for garments of praise. That we would enter into your courts with thanksgiving, your, your presence with praise, Lord, and we would find freedom there. You're so good, so good. 
Let's sing this together. Where the Spirit of the Lord is. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, Just lift your eyes to heaven, for there is freedom. For we lift our eyes to heaven, for there is freedom. Freedom reigns in this place. Showers of mercy and grace, they are falling on living faith. Oh, there is freedom. Oh. And if you're tired and thirsty, there is freedom. If you're tired and thirsty, there is freedom. Oh, give your all to Jesus. There is freedom. Give your all to Jesus.
church. Lord, we love you. God, you are good. We give you all the praise and all the glory. And I just wanted to encourage you today, whatever your need is, God can fill that need. If you need a power encounter, we serve a powerful God. If you want to be lost in the wonder and beauty of God, we were singing about that, that you would have a revelation of his wonder and his beauty. We were singing about freedom today we were singing about God fighting our battles for us. All of these things are declarations that we can apply to our lives. And so, Lord, I just bless each and every person in this room. Lord, all of these things come through a revelation of Jesus Christ, what you have done for us through salvation, Jesus. We thank you for power. God, we thank you for wonder. We thank you for beauty. We thank you for freedom. We thank you for grace and mercy showering down upon your people today. And we receive it, Lord, with thanksgiving. And the whole church said, amen. If you're going through something today, if you're going through something this week, just believe that God is moving upon that situation, that you're going to experience life and life to the full. There's going to be a breakthrough because the kingdom of God is at work in that situation. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Well, we love worship. We love relationship. We love fellowship. And so I'm going to give you about one minute to go and say hello to a few people. Specifically, look for people you have not said hello to yet and go and say hi to those people. All right. Everybody, come on back to me now. Come on back to me. <laughs> Amen. Okay. Well, if we have any grade five or six students in the room, they are part of the bridge ministry. They can be dismissed right now. Just a reminder that we have a zero to two room available. So if you have any little ones uh, crawling babies all the way up to grade two, there's a room available for them. Um, we do have kids activity packages on this side of the auditorium up front on the table. Feel free to grab those. We love children. We love young families. We want them to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. If it is your first time at the Father's house, and I said this in the first service as well, if it's your second time at the Father's house, if it's your third time at this church and you have not yet filled out 
a New Here card. If it's your sixth time at this church and you haven't filled out a New Here card, we would love for you to fill one out. They are in the seat backs of the chairs in front of you. And if you take that New Here card to the church center outside those doors and to the left, we have a coffee mug and a magazine for you. So first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, if you haven't done it yet, we would love for you to do that. Uh, one announcement for you this morning, church. One week from tomorrow, March 28th, we're going to be having a prayer night again uh, here at the church. This is a church that prays. We celebrate it all the time. We have morning prayer and devotions during the midweek, 9 to 10 a.m. in the fellowship hall. You're invited. All the pastors are there. Uh, we have pre-service prayer between 8.30 and 8.50. If you're coming to the first service, they pray by the cross. We're planning a prayer night, March 28th, 7 o'clock, here in the auditorium. Church, why do we pray? We pray because it stabilizes us and gives us peace. We pray for perspective. Sometimes we're too close to situations. Sometimes we're clouded, but we gain God's perspective when we pray together. And we gain God's purpose when we pray together. Those are just three quick thoughts. Prayer gives us peace, God's perspective, and it realigns us with God's purpose. And so please come. Let's fill up this auditorium and let's pray together March 28th at 7 o'clock. Speaking of prayer, five families that we are prioritizing this week in our morning prayer and devotions. Tammy Brown. Tammy's often watching online, so hello, Tammy, if you're watching. Sam Burry, Rudy Boise, uh, Phyllis Cameron, and Jeremy and Courtney Carruthers. We pray for five families every week as part of our family prayer calendar, um, and we love to do that. Thank you for your faithful generosity. Um, we are in a book study on the good and beautiful life, and the whole context of today's message, chapter 9 in the book that we're on, is about uh, contentment with what God has given us and generosity. And so thank you for sowing seed into the ministries and missions of the Father's House. You can send an e-transfer to give at tfhchurch.ca. Uh, there are, of course, the boxes on the wall as you exit the auditorium, and there's envelopes there as well. And so, um, yeah, let me pray, and Pastor Greg's going to come. Lord, thank you for your church. Thank you for life and life to the full that just manifests in each and every person and each and every program that is happening here in your church. God, we pray that you would fill us with your presence, with your power today. Help us to be a church that continues to reach out into our community, into our region, and into our world, because God, you love people. We give this to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen and amen. There I am. <laughs> amen. Amen. Hey, I, uh, I get the privilege of preaching today on avarice. If you're like me, I had to look up that word. It's, it's the chapter that we're in in our book. And uh, what is avarice? It's I mean, a pretty good question. It's uh, excessive desire for money or material possessions, and we might call it materialism. And so how many of you know this is the favorite sermon pastors love to preach about money? It's not, just so you know. And I said, Peter, you should do this one. He said, oh, you're, you're the senior pastor. You should do this one, I think. I'm like, yeah, he didn't actually. He would have done it, but... Hallelujah. Greed has uh, more to do with um, 
You can be greedy about all kinds of things. You can be greedy about food. You can be greedy about relationships. But avarice is about greed, about material possessions or money. Now, I'm going to tell you, uh, I told this in the first service, that um, there are times as a preacher when you know you're kind of touching right on the sore spot of the enemy. It's kind of like you're poking at the bear. And uh, this is one of those messages because you just realize this is a challenging issue and it's going to make more sense as I talk about it because Jesus has lots to say about this thing. See, the false narrative in our book that we're learning is things bring happiness. That's the false narrative that says... If I just had that car, if I had that beautiful thing, I would be happier. Uh, I just bought a beautiful new sports coat for spring. It's my spring sports coat. How many of you think I'm happy because of my spring sports coat? I am. I love my spring sports coat. And uh, praise the Lord. That's okay. It's okay to have things. It's okay to love things. It's okay to appreciate things. But we certainly don't uh, live in a place that we find security, power, success, and happiness from those things. Because that can be fleeting. How many of you have ever bought something and you're so excited, you think this is the thing that's going to change my life, and three days later you're like, man, that is depressing. I'm going to take that back now. I wonder if I can. Thank God I bought it at Costco. I can take it back. I think that's, there's a shout out for Costco. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Here we go. So, you know, I I think that's true. And sometimes we need to understand, church, we need to understand that you're living in the kingdom of God. You're not in the kingdoms of this world. And, And a great way to understand that is to remember that life is like a monopoly game. Okay. And I love Monopoly. My wife will not play. I will not play with my wife either. She does not understand the rules of the game of Monopoly. She gives properties to my kids. It's like, no, 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 this is not fair. Anyway, Monopoly, let's just talk about that. Sorry, I'm emoting right now. There's something coming up. We'll talk later. Um, So why is life like Monopoly? Because it doesn't matter how many properties you buy. It doesn't matter how many hotels and houses you have on, that prop, on those properties. It doesn't matter if you win the game. Because at the end of the game, everything goes back into the box. And by the way, so do you. Just saying. You better understand that if you're going to live in the kingdom of God. Because this is not the end of the story. What does God have to say about money? And about the things of this world. You know, I told the first service that um, Jesus spoke more about money than heaven and hell combined. So how many of you know he has some opinions on this? But it's not opinions to bring condemnation upon us. It's opinions to bring freedom to us. Amen? And so that's what we're going to talk about is Jesus's understanding of these things and what he calls us and invites us to understand because we live in a world right now church that is shaking 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 and the bible says that in the last days anything that can be shaken is being shaken but the kingdom of god cannot be shaken 
So I don't know about you, but I want to build my life on the kingdom and the unshakable nature of God. Well, let's pray and see if we can understand what this is all about. Father God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the power that we have in Christ. Thank you for the life that we have in Christ. Thank you for the joy that is our strength. Thank you for the peace that passes understanding. God, today, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to receive and respond. And Lord, as we listen to this message, if there's things in this message that convict us, help us not to say, Pastor Greg should go back to the cardigan. He's better when he preaches from a cardigan, not from a new sports coat. But help us to say, Lord, why is that convicting me? In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Well, that was a little side thing. Somebody in the first service commented online and said, I liked him better when he's in a cardigan. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently the Lord's dealing with something. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) Okay, so we're talking about money. So just relax. Don't freak out. Uh, You're like, this is my first time in church. And this guy's talking about money. I knew it. I knew churches, they talk about, no, we don't talk about money a ton in this church. So we should talk probably more about it because Jesus talked a lot about it, like I said. But I'm going to tell you something. Everybody talks about your money. Everybody has a plan for your money. Let's just, let's just understand that. And, uh, you know, there's, uh, sociologists have said that by the time you are 60 years old, you will have viewed 2 million commercials. Whether it's billboards or commercials, 2 million commercials. Do you know what that means in terms of time? That means if you were to take 8 hours a day, 7 days a week, for 6 straight years, that's how long and how many commercials you are influenced by. That's an incredible statistic. So you have to understand, when I'm talking about money, everybody's talking about your money. Fair enough? Yes, Pastor Greg, it's fair enough. Well, you might as well be fair because you're going to hear it anyway. Here we go. So Jesus in our text, in, uh, the, in the, the Sermon on the Mount, actually talks about money and he tells three stories to get his point across. How many of you know when the scripture repeats a matter, it shares its importance? When, like when Jesus says, you know, he tells you to listen, listen, like twice, or he tells you something more than once, how many of you know it has an importance and it has weight? Well, in this section, he's telling us something three times. Let's see what those stories are. And he starts off by saying, you have two treasures in this world. Where is your treasure? Matthew chapter 6. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is not telling us not to treasure things. He's just trying to tell us you need to treasure the right things. And he tells us there's two places that you can build treasure. You can build treasure in this life or you can build treasure in a heavenly, eternal reality, this is what God is trying to get us to understand. He's, he's comparing. Are you following what I'm saying? He's comparing the kingdom of God to the kingdom of this world. And he's saying there's a place where you can live and you can build treasures. And that's a great thing. You know, I, I think that if we understand God is actually wanting us to treasure certain things, how many of you know you can treasure your spouse? You can treasure a friendship. 
You can treasure even a new sports coat. That's not a bad thing. But don't worship it. Understand that. This is what God is trying to say. Even in the Bible, you know, he's trying to get us to get our priorities straight. Do you know in the Bible there are about 22, 23 different things that the Bible actually says that you will be rewarded upon in eternity for eternity? Do you know the Bible actually teaches about those things? It actually says that if you understand this, you're actually building your eternal reward. And so it breaks it into four major categories. And the major categories are this. How you steward or manage your life, your relationships, your character, and how you handle external pressure. Those four things, all the time, there's multiple places where you could break that out and understand that. God is looking to reward you based on how you treat people. Isn't that good news? That if I treat people with kindness and I treat people with love and I treat people with respect, God is building up a reward for me. How many of you know that stewardship or management is another area that God looks to reward his people? What do they do with what I give them? This is something that in eternity, for eternity, God is longing to bless his people. And that's a great thing. All these different things. Your character. How many of you know things come to test your character every day? If you're married, how many of you know character is tested (laughs) every day? (laughs) Yes. So you have these two ideas of a treasuring. Where are you placing your treasure? What are you building? What is your true retirement saying? And then he goes on and he talks about two sets of eyes. What are you looking at for meaning and for purpose? This is how he says it in the text. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? In Jesus' day, unhealthy eyes referred to stingy, envious, jealous people. If you're tight-fisted, your soul begins to shrivel. But if you have an open hand, your soul will be vibrant. So he's saying, what are you looking at? What are you looking at to gain purpose? What are you looking at to gain identity? What are you looking at in your life? Are you looking at the kingdom of this world or are you looking at the kingdom of God? Because if you will shape your life based on Jesus' teachings, based on Jesus' understanding of things, your life will be vibrant and full of life. This isn't talking about, you know, you can't possess things, you can't own things. God just doesn't want things to possess you. This is what he's saying. You need to look at what you're looking at and what you're finding your identity and your purpose in in this world, these two sets of eyes. You see, the kingdom of God, generosity is the thing that indicates we're living within the kingdom of God. And then he ends the teaching by talking about two masters. What are you worshiping is the question. It says no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Mammon, another word. Like, what's going on? Mammon. 
Well, Mammon's referring to wrong thinking about wealth and the spirit that drives that. It's an incredible thing to think about this. <laughs> Jesus actually calls mammon a spirit. In other words, what he's saying is this is a rival god to the kingdom of God. Which should get our attention, you know, when you start thinking about that and understanding that. You see, why is it a rival God? Because money and wealth promises security, significance, status, etc. But, you know, and it, it basically is promising to be godlike. That if you have these things, you, you have security and significance and status. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm about to say, but I'm going to just tell you a little illustration that happened to me. Um, so grasp something I'm about to say, that God is not against you having things. As a matter of fact, he wants to bless his people. That's his design and that's his desire. But he wants you to be blessed to be a blessing. Now, I was, when I was pastoring in Fort McMurray, I remember once I was just praying and I was just asking the Lord, like, Lord, what, what is the spirit that drives so much of what goes on here in Fort McMurray? And it was kind of a weird prayer. You know, just one of those prayers you're praying and you're like, show me, Lord, teach me, Lord. And uh, I just remember having this picture, uh, like a kind of a waking vision. It just kind of, I'm, I'm awake, but my eyes are closed and I'm seeing clearly this picture of this young man. He's got like a baseball cap on and uh, he just looks, he looks very self-assured, cocky, okay? That's how he looked. Like, he's like, I got it all going on. Everything's great. And... Um, and I'm like, okay, that's sure. And, and then suddenly the vision changes. And I see this spirit being, and I know it's the same vision because the spirit's wearing a baseball cap. And I'm telling you, this thing was like, um, it was like emaciated, skeletal, insatiable. You know, you get a picture of what I'm trying to say? You, you get that kind of like, whoa, like it kind of freaked me out kind of moment. Like, oh, what is this? And, and I could just tell that this thing was insatiable. And, and, and whatever went into it, it did not satisfy it. Okay? And so I'm like, I kind of snapped out of it. I said, Lord, what are you showing me? And he said, that is the spirit of mammon. That is the spirit that is driving many people in our world today. And I was like, whew, it's pretty heavy duty, Lord. And I, you know, it kind of freaked me out, but I want you to understand you don't have to be stuck there. You're not, you're, not, you're not living there. That's not what God invites you into. You're part of a different kingdom than the kingdom of this world. Church, just understand this is not, uh, this is, you know, you live, you're in the top five percentile of the world's wealth. Would it not make sense that if you're in the top five percentile of the world's wealth that we would struggle with this? That this is the thing that would hit us the most? Okay. It's interesting. Neuroscientists discovered that people who bought certain items experienced the same sensation as those who had a deep religious experience. They actually were measuring... They, you know, they were measuring where the part of the brain was active and reacted to certain purchases, and they found out it was the exact same spot in the brain that reacts to religious experiences. That's why Jesus calls mammon a rival god. 
Okay, Pastor Greg, put the cardigan back on. <laughs> how do we do this? Then how do I live? Pastor Greg, how do I live? How do I live? I'm blessed. I'm favored. I don't want to feel guilty for being blessed and favored. You shouldn't feel guilty for being blessed and favored. I got a beautiful coat. I love it. It's great. You don't feel bad. I'm not giving this to you, by the way. Thank you, Jesus. God gave it to me, and I'm keeping it for now. He'll probably make me give it to somebody soon. So there we go. Don't feel bad. Understand that God is trying to teach us as believers, here's the number one thing you need to grasp. You are stewards and not owners. This will change your life. See, stewardship is translated from the Greek word okoinomia, which is where we get the word economy from, which means the management of a household or household affairs specifically the management, oversight, or administration of another's property, the office of a manager or an overseer. Okay, so follow me. If God is God, and he has given us life and life abundant, and he desires to bless us, and he has designed us to be blessed, to be fruitful, and to multiply, and he says, but be, as you're fruitful and you're multiply, have dominion over it. And you know what that word means, dominion? It means to rule over yourself for the sake of others. Do you know what we've interpreted dominion to be in our world? I'm going to rule over you so you will serve me. How many of you know that's created a lot of problems? How much domestic violence is based on that? How much war is based on that? How many struggles in our life are based on us not taking dominion over ourselves, but trying to take dominion over others? That's not God's heart or intention. He's called you to be a steward for the good of all. That's an amazing thought. I'm just going to give you a couple quick thoughts on stewardship, and then we're going to look at the, the values that a God's stewards hold to. What is stewardship in God's economy? Number one is this, understand God is the owner, and you are the manager. Number two, understand that your management must reflect the owner's heart and values. Number three, understand that you've been entrusted or vested with many things to manage for him, and for the good of many, not just yourself. Number four, understand you will be entrusted with more if you manage what you've been given. And number five, understand you'll be rewarded or reprimanded one day in eternity for eternity based on how well you managed in the here and now. So if, if God is God and Greg Fraser decides I want to live within the kingdom of God, he's telling me that I'm a steward, I'm a manager, and uh, all these things will come into my life, and the blessing of the Lord will follow me if I will manage according to his plan. How many of you know that's good news? Now, this is, gets even get better. This gets even better. Okay, he tells a story in the, in the Gospels, and it's called the parable of the ten talents. So an owner calls his servants or his stewards to him, and he, according to their ability, he gives them something to do. He says, here's five Pieces are five bags of silver, five talents of silver. Now go and earn more with what I've given you. He takes another servant and he says, here's two talents or two bags of silver. Now go and live and, and earn more. And he takes one according to their ability. This guy gets one talent of silver and he says, now go and earn more. 
Now, how many of you know some of us are five-talent people? I'm not pointing at me. Some of us are two-talent people. I'm not pointing at me. Some of us are one-talent people. Doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter. All he says is manage what you've been given. Good news. Okay, so the master is away for a long time, the scripture goes on, and then it says he comes back and he calls the stewards, calls the servants, calls the managers to himself and says, tell me what you've done. And the first one comes, the guy with five talents, and he says, master, I have earned five more talents. And the master's ecstatic and he says, well done, well done. No longer will you be my servant, but you will be my partner. So you stewarded well, but the day will come when you're actually going to own it. I know. It's a crazy story. And then he takes the guy, and he's like clapping. He's like, way to go, way to go. The guy with two comes to him. He says, "Lord, Master, you know, I've taken the two talents that you've given me, and I've earned two more. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share in your master's happiness. You shall now be... My partner. (laughs) But I only had two and I only made two more. I don't care. You're now my partner. You were faithful with what I gave you. And you're now going to be a partner with me. Same as the guy with five. So the guy with one comes. He's uh, nervous. He says, ah, I knew you were a hard man. Not reaping where you sowed and all. This is just us accusing his character. Terrible stuff. This isn't, you know, uh, so I buried the one talent you gave me. Here's your one talent. Aren't you happy? He's not happy. You wicked and lazy servant. So you think I'm too hard, do you? That I don't reap where I've sowed? Hmm. Well, take that talent from him and give it to the one who has ten. I won't tell you what happened to him, but it didn't go well for him at the end. He said, throw him out. You know, God's looking at us, church, and he's saying, if you'll just manage what I've given you, if you'll be faithful with what I've given you, you you have no comprehension of the reward that is waiting for you. You will no longer just be a steward. You will be an owner. All these things will come to you. This is the blessing of the Lord that the Lord has commanded us to live under. Well, what are some of the values that the stewards of God hold to? Here's number one. God's steward knows that there's more than enough. There's more than enough. You don't live in a kingdom of scarcity. You live in a kingdom of abundance. The kingdoms of this world are kingdoms of scarcity, but the kingdom of God says there's more than enough. There's so much, Lord, that I will not only have enough for myself, but I have enough to share. You know, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a home. I grew up in a home that was a more than enough home. My parents were not wealthy people, uh, but they were generous people. And so in my house, uh, you know, we had four, I had three siblings, and, and, and I'm telling you, there was always people in our house sleeping over, eating over, just they were there. They were present all the time. There was people all the time milling about our home. That was just part of the atmosphere. You would come into my house, and you never knew who was going to be there for dinner. And, and my house was, my parents' house was the kind of place that, you know, it, there was always enough. 
If somebody just showed up, it wasn't like, well, we're just about to have dinner. Why don't we call you after? No, it was like, come on in. Have dinner. And I remember as a kid, you know, cutting a little piece of steak off of your steak to put it on the other plate. <laughs> Why'd you take the filet? Take the other part. <laughs> you understand? So there was this generous spirit in my, in my fa- family's house. My mom had 12 brothers and sisters. She grew up dirt poor. But, uh, you know, every Christmas, our house will be filled with her siblings and their kids. I'm not exaggerating. We probably had close to 100 people in our little house. It was crazy. Like, they would, my parents would put on this feast, and I didn't know it at the time, but many of their brother, her brothers and sisters did not have money to be able to have turkey dinner. My dad had a good job. So they were generous. You know, we had so many foreign students and foreigners and people. I, my dad was, ran uh, hockey for, for the juvenile double uh, A's in Edmonton. And I remember once Edmonton, the, the Team Canada was playing Team Russia, and they needed billets, and my dad just said, they can all stay at my place. And like a, there was like 10 Russians on our floor. <laughs> and I was like, what's going on? Just get up in the morning, you're helping me cook breakfast. He even fed them well. Even though they were playing Team Canada, he did not try to poison them. He fed them well, and we still won. Thank you, Jesus. How many of you know God's stewards know there's more than enough? There's more than enough. (laughs) That's what we understand when we follow God's economy. Here's the second one. God's stewards are receivers and givers. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of heavenly lights. And um, you, need, you know, as a, as a member of the kingdom, God actually wants to bless you. God wants to bless you. I, I just want to get that through to you. This is not a sermon against being blessed. This is not a sermon against you having favor. It's not a sermon against uh, you having even things in your life. That's not what this is about. God wants to bless his people. That's, that's what you need to understand. But you need to receive and you need to give. You need to be a contributor, not just a consumer. See, the scarcity spirit hoards. It hoards. But an abundant spirit says, there's more than enough, Lord. I'm a receiver and I'm a giver. I love this picture. Uh, How many of you remember the story of of, uh, Scrooge and Bob Cratchit? So Scrooge, he he is a miser. He is a hoarder. He is living in the spirit of this world. Never, it's never enough for him. You under, remember the story. He's, he's wealthy beyond measure, but he treats his workers so terribly. And one of them is Bob Cratchit. So Bob Cratchit doesn't even have enough coal to keep the fire warm. He, he, he barely has enough money for his family. He's got so many kids. He's like Pastor Peter, like he never doesn't know how to stop. He's like a rabbit. He just keeps going and going. More babies. And, uh, and so, you know, <laughs> I'll talk to you later, Peter, about how we stop all that. No, just keep going, brother. You're good. You have 20. I'm with you, man. Uh, amen. So, <laughs> so he goes, and they're having the, thanks, the Christmas dinner. And Bob Cratchit starts by saying, let's pray for Mr. Scrooge, who is the benefactor of this feast we're about to, because he realizes I have a job because of Mr. Scrooge. And his kids lose it. No! 
oh, dad, how can you pray for him? How can you, dad? But you see, Bob Cratchit has a spirit of generosity. He says, you know, Mr. Scrooge is more impoverished than you realize, kids. We need to pray the blessing of God on him. I'm paraphrasing. You go watch the movie, you say, he didn't say that, Pastor Greg. No, I'm paraphrasing. Do you understand? He had a different spirit. And of course, at the end of the story, Scrooge's changed heart now blesses him. See, God's stewards are not only receivers, but they're givers. I've, you know, I've done missions trips over around the world, and I've done lots of third world missions trips and, uh, in some of the poorest nations on earth. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been in Mexico, I've been in Honduras, I've been in Mozambique, and I'm going to tell you something that's incredible about being around those people. They are generous. They're ridiculously generous. Like, you have to be careful, no kidding, you have to be careful about complimenting them about something. Like, if you say, that's a nice, you know, quilt on your bed, do you want it? No, I, I don't. <laughs> My grandma made that quilt. It's an awesome quilt. But they're that generous. Are you following what I'm saying? They're receivers and they're givers. This is what they want you to understand. See, when you're a steward in God's economy, you become a channel that he can flow through. I love that thought. God prospers us not only to raise our standard of living, but also our standard of giving. We are blessed to be a blessing. Listen to 2 Corinthians 9. Now to him who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food also supplies increase your store of the seed, will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can spend more money on things for yourself. That's not what it said. <laughs> so that you can be generous on every occasion and through your generosity, the result will be thanksgiving to God. Beautiful. As the world is shaking. Now follow me, church. The world is shaking. The world is shaking. The world is shaking right now. Everything, prices are going up. Prices are going up. What are we going to do? What, you know, are we going to be driven into a hoarding spirit? Are we going to be driven into a fearful spirit? Or are we going to live in a generous spirit and understand that in our kingdom, the kingdom of God, there is no scarcity or lack? Well, I want to be wise, Pastor Greg. I'm not wrong. It's not wrong for you to be wise. Be, be wise. You can be wise and be generous. Moving right along. God's stewards see giving as an investment and not a loss. Can I tell you something? People think we're crazy as Christians because we try to live in the economy of God. We do things like tithing and offerings and alms, which are the three things in the scriptures that tell us how to manage our money. So tithing is a tenth of our income to the house of God. Offerings are gifts over and above our tithe to various needs, and alms are offerings to the poor. You see, when the economy of the world is shaking, you are living in an economy that isn't. Listen to what Malachi says. This is amazing. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Wow, says the Lord Almighty. 
and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not enough room for you to store it or contain it. So if I love you, if I love you as your pastor, would I not tell you God's plan for your finances? If I'm scared of your opinion, I won't preach this sermon. But if I love you, I'll tell you how my wife and I have managed our finances, our whole Christianity. From the day we became Christians, we were tithers. We just said, Lord, the first is yours. Guys, I don't even, it, I, I'm on automatic withdrawal for my tithe. It comes off of my paycheck before I even start. It's just gone. It's the first thing I do. Well, you have, a, you have an opinion because you're a pastor and you're, blah, 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 you're benefit from that. Well, I did it before I was a pastor. And by the way, you don't have to listen to me. I don't have a clue what any of you give in this church. Not even an inkling. I just think all of you want to live in the freedom and the power of the kingdom of God. I will think that way of you. That's how I am. So we want to live that way. We want to be generous people. We want to live in God's plan. I want all of you <laughs> to experience the blessing of God. I'm going to tell you a couple stories. One, just quickly, I'll tell you. So, again, God isn't against you having things. So when I first, uh, we were pastoring at Fort McMurray, and uh, we had saved enough money uh, to put a really good down payment on a van. We had never owned a new vehicle and so we decided we're going to buy a van, but we made the mistake of praying first. Just kidding. It wasn't a mistake. It's a practice we do. So we prayed, and guess what? The Lord said, don't buy a new van. Buy a used van. <sighs> Let me pray again. Father, Father, were you having a good day? So we did. We bought a used van, and uh, we didn't spend that money that God had invested. So we figured something else was coming up. Not, I don't know, three weeks later, a month later, um, we're living in the hottest economy in Canada, pastoring in Fort McMurray. We cannot afford things. Like, it just, we're, we can't. But... This piece of property came open, and the guy said, I, I'm, I'm a builder. Basically, the story was he was a builder. He had to sell all the property he had because he had, he had bought too much, and he had to sell it. I don't understand the legalities, but he had to sell it for the two-year-ago's prices. And we looked at our bank account, and you know what we had? The exact amount plus $15 to buy that piece of properties uh, to buy the down payment for that piece of property. So we did, and we built a beautiful house in Fort McMurray. And then we sold that house, and we came here, and we sold that house, and we had like won the lottery, it felt like to us. And we had enough money to come here and pastor and to be part of this church and to just, we, God blessed us to be able to do that. Do you know what the first thing we bought when we moved down here was? A new van. (laughs) 
So I'm, I'm telling you that story to tell you that God is not a miser. He's not a hoarder. But if you will follow his plan, he wants to bless you and bless you and bless you. That's the heart of God. And I don't know about you, but in the midst of a world that's shaking, I want to know his plan. And I want to follow it. God's stewards are thankful and joyful and content. Start your day with Thanksgiving, church. Thanksgiving, every part of your day. Just get up in the morning. And, and I'll just give you a little hint. Get out of bed first Thanksgiving. Thank you that I have a bed. Feet hit the floor. If you can stand, thank you that I can stand. You go to the bathroom. You do your business. Whatever that is, it's up to you, okay? Just thank God that when you press a button, stuff goes away and goes to some magical mystery land where you never know what happened to it. Thank God that when you turn the tap on and you're brushing your teeth, you're not being poisoned by the water. You haven't even gotten out of your bathroom yet, and you are blessed beyond measure. My goodness, if you have a shower, you're near heaven. Warm water. Woo! Man, are we blessed. By the way, heat in your house. How many are thankful for heat in your house this year, even though it costs so much money? I'm so thankful that I turn this thermostat thing on and something happens. Okay. Thankful, joyful, content. Hallelujah. This is God's plan for you. See, the cure for consumerism is to become a joyful giver. That's what God wants us to know and to do. Here's the last thought. God's stewards are faith-filled and future motivated. When you don't own anything, but you're simply steward everything, it relieves the burden and the fear and the worry about your future. You're God's problem. That's a good thing, isn't it? God, you have a problem. Gas prices are going up. I need you to help me out here and give me some relief. Okay, how many of you have thanked God for a premier that gave you a gas rebate? I don't like him, Pastor Greg. How many of you have thanked God for a premier that have given you a gas rebate? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. You see, the stewards of the kingdom of God know that they're part of an economy that is not shaking. And they make and look for times to invest into the kingdom because nothing but blessing waits for them through that. Hebrews 11 says this, all these people were still living by faith when they died. It's talking about the people of God. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Amen? Hallelujah, Lord.
The band's going to come back now. We're here today and we're talking about stewardship in the kingdom of God. We're talking about being blessed. And if we're, if we're faithful in stewarding that which God has given us, guess what he does? He gives us more. He doesn't take it away. We're being tested right now. Will we live in the kingdom of the world or will we live in the kingdom of God? This is the test right now for believers. There are days, I'm going to confess, that Pastor Greg wants to be, have a scarcity mentality. He wants to have a hoarding mentality. And, and, and I'm not saying not to be wise. You know, you should have enough store food, stored food to, to feed your family. That's not a bad thing. But I'm, there's a difference. Do you follow what I'm saying? And so part of me, there are days when I have to just wake up and say, God, forgive me for being afraid. Forgive me, Lord, for worrying about this. Help me to trust you right now, for you're a good father, and there's no lack or shortage in your kingdom. Amen? Because I can tell you, peace is valuable. What is peace worth? What is having peace worth? In the midst of the whole world shaking, what does it mean when you have peace? I'm okay. I'm okay because God's on my side. Yes, he's going to give us some tools. Yes, he's going to give us some strategies. Yes, he's going to give us wisdom. I'm going to tell you a couple things that we're going to be doing in the future in our church here. One of them, we're starting a new ministry called Kingdom Builders Ministry. And it's just really a group of people that are really good with their money, really wise stewards, have just demonstrated wisdom and finances. And we're going to run in the fall financial peace university where we're going to actually open it up to our community and say we would love to train you and help you to manage your budgets better we would love to work with you this is something we want to offer our community i i want to see this place full of people that are saying teach us help us to learn amen i'm in my wife and I have been following this for a few years. We're so blessed. We have no stress in our finances. Why? We have a plan. God has helped us. It's amazing. And so we're going to run that, get ready for that in the spring, in the fall, sorry. And then this is a new one. This one is just crazy. I can't get it out of my mind. I don't know what to do, but it's coming, so get ready. I call it Five Loaves Ministry. The story in the Bible when the, Jesus turns to the disciples and says, you feed them. There's like 15,000 people present, 5,000 men, women, and children. <laughs> and they say, well, we only have five loaves and two fish. What do you expect us to do with that? And of course, Jesus then multiplies this ministry, and it becomes this incredible miracle in the Bible. And so I, I, I just think that you and I are so amazingly, uniquely positioned as a church why? Because we are a urban church. We're both rural and urban. We have farmland. We've got people with big acreages. I have a dream of starting a ministry. That I don't even know what to do. I'm just saying, yes, Lord, I see it. I don't know what to do. I'm going to talk about it. You have to build it. I, I want to see like a co-op in our church where we're going to be raising vegetables and fruit and chicken and for those of you that are 
non-meat eaters, you can stick with the vegetables and the fruit. For the, for the carnivores, we're going to have cattle and chickens. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could feed our whole community because of the kingdom of God? See, guys, God, God gives strategies like this. He gives strategies in times of famine. This is what God does. He's like, you're going to be okay. Anyway, I'm so excited about this five lobes ministry. We'll talk about it over the next few weeks. If you're a farmer, you own land, you're in. If you're like, I just want to be part of it, I want to help you to do this, Pastor Greg, come and talk to me. I'm going to teach you how to bake bread instead of just buy bread. How many would like to learn how to can and jar things? I don't have a clue how to do that. I just buy jars of things. <laughs> Apparently, my wife bakes bread. I have not seen that yet, honey. I just feel like... <laughs> the, pay, the payback is enormous. You guys don't have a clue what I'm looking at right now. She's like, you will pay for that comment later. But you know what? There's joy in the midst of whatever comes at us in this world. There is peace that passes understanding. There is a kingdom that is not being shaken. You are part of it. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Father God, first and foremost, I, I start by just repenting for when I have slipped into the kingdom of this world, Lord. And I've had scarcity thoughts and I've had fearful thoughts, Lord. I ask you to forgive me, God. I, I don't want to live there, God. I want to live in abundance. I want to live in blessing. And if that's you and you want to join me in just starting your heart by just, I find every week in this series I've been repenting, every week. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for being fearful of what's going on in the world. But help me to trust you right now, Lord. And if you want to join me in that, I just raise your hand and say, that's me, Pastor Greg. Lots of hands going up. Lots of hands. Hallelujah. <laughs> and if you just want to say, Lord, I just want to start living in the kingdom of God more and more and more because it's a kingdom of abundance. It's a kingdom of peace. It's a kingdom of joy. Lord, help me. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. You might raise it again. You might have already raised it once. You're raising it again. Lastly, if you're here and you are saying, I'm not part of this kingdom. I don't know this God, but I, I came to this church because I'm looking for answers. I'm looking for a solution. Freaking out. I'm looking at the world and thinking there's got to be more. There is more. And his name is Jesus. And he desires to have a relationship with you. If you are watching online, we know many people are watching online still. And you're saying, I need to get right with God. I need to ask Jesus to come into my life. I need to give him my heart that I might live with him and for him. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor Greg, would you pray with me to receive Jesus, to ask him to come into my life? Yes, I see your hand. Are there others? It's hard for me to see. I'm trying to look out across. If you're online, there's a place for you to press a button that says I made a first time commitment to Jesus today 
if that's you. We're going to pray together with these that raise their hands. We're going to pray out loud together. If you've ever raised your hand or you want to do that, let's pray together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus because you are so generous. You love me and you save me. Come and live in my heart and help me live for you and with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give these people a hand clap today, amen. You are stewards of an unshakable kingdom. Go and live like it. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. We're going to sing this song in closing. Come on, brother. Lead us all the way home. The beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is, what a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my upon you and be gracious toward you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen? Peace, grace, love. Go in the grace of God. Give the Lord Jesus a hand clap today. Amen?
go and have a coffee and give generously of your kindness to somebody that you say hello to. Amen and amen.